Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let me ask you this. Would you be interested in hearing about the time Bill Belichick and Eric Mangini nearly gave each other the hands? Huh? How about that? Or how about Bob Kraft calling Bill Belichick the, quote, biggest effing a-hole in my life? End of quote. How about that? Or how about Bill Belichick? And Roger Goodell having a secret meeting in an airplane hangar to discuss rule changes. Do I have your attention now? Because all of those things are in Seth Wickersham's new book about the Patriots entitled, It's Better to Be Feared. And let me tell you something. All of those things are a hell of a lot more interesting than some hanger-on complaining that a man in his 40s that they call Tommy thought that his boss was a meanie. You see, Wickersham's book comes out next month, and he'll be on the show to talk about it, so I had been holding off mentioning it, but honestly, these stories are way too good. They are way too good to ignore. So, since it is Bucks Pats week, let's get this part out of the way. And start with the reason why Brady apparently left New England. The book makes the case that Brady left because Belichick and Kraft would not commit to his idea of playing to the age of 45. And because he wanted to go to a place where his input was appreciated. All right, cool. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense that after winning a Super Bowl in his first year in a new place and completely getting over on the old man. Well, the old man and the older man. That Brady and everybody around him would still be whining about that situation 18 months later, but whatever. Apparently, that's their deal. That's how they roll. But then there's the classic dynamic that emerges whenever a team has a lot of success. And it's the least surprising thing ever. They all want more run. They all want more credit. They all want more responsibility and money for their respective roles in the dynasty. And they all think they're getting less than what they actually deserve. As Wickersham writes, quote, Brady was tired of taking team-friendly deals with no input into how the money was saved was spent and still wanted a long-term contractual commitment. End of quote. At the same time, quote, Belichick told associates that every organizational decision now was in support of Brady, geared toward pleasing him and making him successful, and that Kraft meddled with the team, sometimes with opinions, sometimes with restrictive budgets, end quote. So... What you have here as a star player has been choosing to take team-friendly deals and getting a ton of good pub for it, by the way. But now he wants more input and a long-term deal of his own. And then you've got a head coach who thinks that every decision made in the building is done to please said player. Then you have the owner who's jumping in with opinions and budget issues. And the coach is bent that the owner keeps jumping in and meddling. In other words, they're like any other dynasty in the history of the world. They all want credit. And none of them think that they're getting as much as they deserve. So, now that we know how they all think, let's get to some of what they actually said about each other. Let's get to the stuff like Kraft telling a confidant that, quote, Bill was an idiot savant, 
end quote. He then chased that with, quote, I gave him this opportunity, end quote. Now we're getting somewhere. That's what I'm talking about. That is so much better than Brady's trainer or his dad complaining, man, this is juicy. This is good. This is insightful. And most of all, this is oh so predictable. Because that sure sounds like Kraft is saying that he doesn't get enough credit for winning the Super Bowls. You know, because this super rich dude who sits up in the owner's box rocking a blue shirt with a white collar deserves as much credit as the guy coaching the team, finding the talent, and the guy actually playing in the games. If you've seen The Last Dance, not only is this familiar, it is so predictable. Once a team starts having success, everybody thinks that they're not getting enough credit. Pat Riley was all over that decades ago, and it still rings true today. But that is not the only nugget regarding craft. Wickersham also has this great story that I need to read in full. Stay with me. Quote, As for Kraft, in late September, he was in Aspen for a conference and he bumped into a few friends in the hotel lobby early one morning. He told them he was leaving later for Detroit, where the Patriots were playing their next game. Quote, I hate leaving here, Kraft said. You leave here and you leave some of the most brilliant people you've ever met. You pick up so much knowledge from all these brilliant minds. And I have to go to Detroit to be with the biggest effing a-hole in my life, my head coach. End of quote. Hell yes. None of this Bill the Goat stuff that Bob says in public. Man, give me the good stuff. Give me the real, Pops. Give me Kraft claiming that Belichick is an idiot savant. And that Kraft is the mastermind. Because he was the one that gave Bill the opportunity. Give me the dude who was busted for paying for sex acts at a strip mall. Calling his head coach the quote, biggest effing a-hole in my life. End quote. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm here for. So not only was Brady pissed at the hood man, but the boss man was also. To the point that according to excerpts from the book, Kraft, Brady, and others would talk about who's going to replace Belichick when he finally is gone. One possibility apparently, Bill O'Brien. And that would have been great for Bob anyway because he was in the midst of a power struggle with his GM in Houston, Rick Smith. Wickersham writes in the book, quote, The leaks from O'Brien's camp claiming he wanted out were so aggressive as to be suspicious as if he knew he had a golden parachute. In the end, though, the Texans chose O'Brien over Smith, giving the coach more control over football operations. O'Brien later joked to a confidant that it was a somewhat empty victory, quote, I was trying to get fired, end quote. That would sort of explain some of what Bob was doing, right? And if you like Bill O'Brien trying to get fired, you are going to love another head coach showing up with the ultimate cameo. 
the ultimate walk-on. Check this out from the article on ESPN, and this is incredible. Quote, at the 2008 league meetings, Belichick and then New York Jets head coach Eric Mangini nearly had a fist fight. After a dinner for head coaches, Julie Mangini, wife of Eric, bumped into Belichick and said hi, trying to ease tension after the post-Spygate fallout. Belichick blew her off. And when she told Eric what had happened, he charged across the room and needed to be held back by other coaches from swinging at Belichick. Quote, hey, Bill, F you, Mangini yelled, end of quote. I got to be honest, like I haven't thought about Mangini in years, but the thought of this dude running up on and F-bombing and trying to fight Bill Belichick might be the funniest thing I've ever heard. Seriously. I read that and I laughed out loud. Can you imagine the man genius sprinting across the room and landing a haymaker on the hood, man, at NFL League meetings? Like, you know Mangini was coming across the room like Connor v. Jose Aldo, looking to ice that guy in eight seconds. A 37-year-old trying to land a knockout blow on a guy who's nearly 20 years older than him. That would have been the absolute best thing ever. These two doughy dudes letting their hands go, rolling around on the floor, trying to choke each other out, trying to get the other guy to tap is the greatest thing ever. Imagine Mangini screaming at the hood, no one treats my wife like that. Apologize. Apologize now, you old piece of crap. Apologize now or I'll snap your arm like a twig. It's so good. So good. It's almost as good as the Dietz, the Belichick, and Goodell are bros. There's even more. That's right. According to the ESPN article, quote, Besides the secret meeting at a private airport to discuss rule changes on the morning after the Patriots' Super Bowl win over the Falcons, Belichick hugged Goodell and lifted the commissioner's feet off the ground. End quote. A secret meeting about rule changes. He's hugging on the commissioner and lifting him off the ground. Think about that for a minute. That image. What's crazier? Belichick and the man genius fighting at a league meeting or Belichick loving on Goodell so hard that he lifted him off the ground? Indulge me for a moment and let me talk to you about WinBet the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sportsbook and digital casino app. So whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 4, totals for college football Week 5, or both, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has those too. It's all right there for you with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise, and more. It really is the very best loyalty program in the industry. So whether playing from your phone or your computer, you absolutely have got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. 
Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody else you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I wonder if the hood gave the commish one of those secret handshakes that the commish gives players when they're drafted when he tries to show them how cool he thinks he is. And how about Belichick? being that happy to see somebody, anybody, ever. Forget Kraft calling him every curse word in the book, or Bob maybe trying to get fired, or Belichick being pissed at Kraft. The fact that Belichick was hugging the commish that hard and lifting him off the ground might be the craziest thing I've heard since, I don't know, since you clones lost your mind when you thought the hood was making out with his own daughter. Allegedly. I guess what I'm saying is before this morning, I would have said the last thing that anybody needs to hear is even more stuff about the hood and Tom Brady. But honestly, after seeing all this, I need more. I need so much more. I don't need more whining from Team Brady about how his boss was mean to him. But what I do need is... More guys dropping F-bombs on each other and nearly giving each other them hands. Now you have my attention. This is great. This is the best. The only thing better would be if it all happened again on Sunday night and then we all get to see it ourselves. I mean, this game hasn't even been played yet, but allow me to give a game ball to Seth and his new book. And one more, too. Let me give another game ball to my guy Tom Curran for this exchange during Bill's presser earlier in the week. You spoke on WEEI today about Tom Brady looking at his options, and he decided Tampa was a better option. Why weren't the Patriots a better option for him when both Robert Kraft and Brady himself said over and over how much they wanted him to finish his career here? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not going to go back and rehash all that. We've talked about that. It really, you've never talked about it with us. The focus is on the game here, and look, I have so much respect and appreciation for Tom and everything he did here, and for me and for our team. And uh, you know, we're just getting ready to compete against Tampa this week, and we're going to keep our focus on that. But you've never you talk about rehashing dynamics that you've already gone through. You've never done that. Yeah, uh, we we made a statement when Tom left, and that I uh, covered it. You surprised how well he's played. He's thrown sixty-one touchdown passes in twenty-three games down there. Won a uh, Super Tom, Bowl. Yeah, Tom's a great player. Nothing surprises me that he does. Holy crap, man! Pull my guy Tom Curran off the hood. Dang! What a gangster! Hey, by the way, Bill, he's right. You can't rehash something you never hashed in the first place, Mumbler. My man, Tom Curran, just dragging and roasting the hood. Hey, now, check this out. Props to you. Does this sound well familiar? Done. And I bet it does. You have one device that lets you catch the game live. You have another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. 
and you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbors, best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about a single way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings you your live TV and your on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows in the same place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the very best part, there is no annual contract. Win, win, win. So get rid of all that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Brian Kelly is my guest. Brian, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you back on. So let me first start here. You're coming off that 41-13 win over number 18, Wisconsin. It had so many different layers to it, but why don't we start here? It was your 106th win at Notre Dame. That breaks Newt Rockney's record. Before we get into the significance of that, I just need to know, were you able to celebrate that with a glass of Macedo on Saturday night? And if so, Brian, how was that? 2016 vintage of Masetto, to be precise. It was outstanding. Got a chance to do that with the family. And that's what keeps you in this business for 31 years. Take some time to to relax and enjoy it a little bit or uh, it's it's too much of a grind. So, yes, was able to do that. Thanks for asking. No, good. I'm so glad for the clarification also. 2016, the vintage. And I want to ask you about that grind. But if I told you back when you were coaching softball at Assumption <laughs> College that one day you would break Newt Rockne record for most wins at Notre Dame, what would you have said to me back then? Oh, my goodness. I would have said, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to coach softball so I can be a GA uh, and uh, in football. That was, the, that was the end game there. So, yeah, I would have said that um, if this gets me the opportunity coaching softball to, to coach at all, I'd be happy. So that would be, uh, I would have said, you're crazy. What a journey. Brian Kelly is joining us. So when you think about your career at Notre Dame, I mean, do you think about specific wins or maybe do you think about moments in players? Moments, for instance, like Chris Tyree's kickoff return on Saturday or how Drew Pine came off the bench and led the team in the second half. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jim. I, I don't think the victories as much. You know, certainly I appreciate the victories because winning keeps you around here in, in this business. But uh, what I remember more are, are the faces, the relationships, the players, um, you know, watching them grow, um, you know, overcome adversity. Um, I think of Ian Book, um, you know, and and coming back after a loss on the road against Michigan and winning 16 consecutive games, you know, after being scrutinized. Now he's the all-time winningest quarterback. You know, I think of those kinds of moments more than anything else. And that's what, you know, that's my, that's what keeps me driving in this business is that I get those relationships with the players and, and those are more important than the wins. We're talking to Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly. I get that. Like, if you were to go back to Saturday also in the second half, starting quarterback Jack Cohn goes down with that injury. Tyler Buckner, who had seen the field earlier this season, was also unavailable due to injuries. So Drew Pine does come into the game. What do you make of what you saw from him in a really tight game against a top 20 Wisconsin team? Moment's not too big for him. He goes in there. He's not afraid to play. And that's the thing I love. And that's what we talk about. Don't be, don't be fearful of the moment. Embrace it. You know, you know, 
you know, pressure is a privilege. You know, when you when you go to the Notre Dame, that's a privilege. The opportunity to go out there and play, uh, and, you know, at Soldier Field against a nationally ranked team, and he went out there and, and wasn't tight, um, was having fun, and um, that's what you love about the, the the competitiveness of a kid like Drew Pine. Yeah, one more thing about him, too. Like, he was not only not overwhelmed by that moment. I mean, after that touchdown pass to Kevin Austin, he dropped that Conor McGregor strut, which I thought was pretty incredible. Remember, it's a guy who was maybe preparing to be a starter this year, but then he sees a graduate transfer arrive and a freshman arrive, and both of them get on the field before him. But what's it say about him that he didn't transfer, he didn't sulk, he did stay in the fight? Yeah, no doubt. Those are the... Look, those are the things that you want from, you know, your players, future employees, guys that 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 have that kind of, you know, grit and toughness, and that, you know, they're not going to be shaken by the moment. They're not going to be defined by, you know, one, you know, moment in their career. They're going to keep persevering, and so you love all those intangibles about a, you know, a Drew Pine, and he gets a chance and, and puts it on display. So, yeah, he's he's uh, he's put himself in a position now where you know he knows he can go play anywhere and uh the place he wants to play is here at notre dame notre dame head football coach brian kelly joins us also you brought in marcus freeman as your d coordinator and he brought a slightly different approach from the one that clark lee had so there was going to be a transition on defense saturday you held wisconsin to less than three yards per carry you forced five turnovers you had a couple of pick sixes does it feel like it seems like it but has that defensive identity already taken shape yeah, there's no doubt, Jim. I mean, it, it was a transition. There's no question about that. The first couple of weeks, we were, you know, not really layered the right way in, in, in tackling, and we were doing some things that we hadn't done. You know, Clark did a great job, but it was a different structure, and this new structure is starting to come together for us, and it creates a lot of havoc on defense. And you know, our guys are really loving it. And they understand, however, that there needs to be a great attention to detail in their work. And you can see that they're doing that now in practice and their preparation is so much better. So on Saturdays, you can see it in their performance. All right. So, Brian, I don't want to make it about you. I know you don't want to make it about you. I actually do want to make it about you because you and I have been talking ever since you got that job. I talked to your predecessors before you got that job. And you mentioned off the very top that this is a grind. It's a real grind. I would argue that the grind is Notre Dame is as challenging as any grind anywhere else. You're in your 12th year now. It takes a grind or it takes a real toll on head coaches. It wears them down, but you seem to be getting better as time goes on. How do you explain that? And what's been your approach? Well, I think I think understanding Notre Dame, embracing our distinctions, and keep fighting to break some of the rules along the way. Um, you know, it's a fine balance there, as well as understanding that you know you, you have to take time for yourself and and finding that balance between professional and personal um, requires a maturity and seeing it and understanding it. And I think I've I've reached that level, and there's a comfort there. And so um, I think. Understanding Notre Dame, the distinctions that are not going to be changed, and then you know there's you can still keep pushing the envelope, and and the university has committed to to football. Our leadership and Father Jenkins and Jack Swarbrick could have been terrific to work with, and then myself in terms of understanding that there needs to be, as you mentioned earlier, time to you know uh, take these wins in and and these victories, and then get back to work. We're talking to Brian Kelly for a few more moments. They've got a big game coming up against Cincinnati. I thought the athletic 
Rick did a really interesting piece, which included comments from coaches that have worked with you over the years. I mentioned Clark Lee. He's one of my favorite people to talk to since he took over at Vanderbilt. He talked about how you approach what you say to the team right after a game. I'm curious, how important are those moments right after the game? And then what's your process for determining what you say in those moments? Well, I think they're as important as anything you do uh, relative to post um, competition and setting up not only what happens then, but moving forward for the next week. And so I want to be very careful that we're collaborative, but yet w- there's a consensus on what that messaging needs to be. So, you know, early in my career, I would storm into the locker room and maybe I would be a little bit too emotional and, and then I'd have to come back and, and retract some of the things or maybe, you know, rethink some things and, and it would you know, obviously affect our team. You know, uh, as I've gone through this business long enough, I know it's better to talk to the entire staff, get a consensus on what happened and what the messaging should look like. And, and, and that's really served us well um, over the last, uh, you know, 15 years. Brian Kelly joining us. All right, so you're facing a top 10 Cincinnati team on Saturday. Obviously, you have ties to that program, as do some of your coaches. So it's going to be a talking point leading up to the game. How do you go about shutting out that particular noise so you're able to just focus focus on this Notre Dame team taking on that Cincinnati team. Yeah, so we do we do what we tell our players to to avoid the noise because it's 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 a distraction and we don't want to be distracted from the preparation and so our job is to prepare our football team so you know focus on what's important now and what's important is getting to practice here this afternoon and and really you know getting our kids prepared against a very good Cincinnati football team and deserving of their top ten ranking. Um, Desmond Ritter is an outstanding quarterback. Um, you know their defense creates havoc just like you know what we've talked about our, uh, with our defense. So um, this is an important week of preparation. We cannot be distracted uh, in any shape or form as coaches. So kind of do what we've been preaching our players to do when it gets to those big game kind of environments, and, and that is uh, stay focused on what's important. Hey, Brian, one quick follow because I, I absolutely love that phrase, avoid the noise, and there's so much noise. Like, in particular, what kind of noise are you talking about, and then how do they go about avoiding it? Yeah, so, you know, social media, um, you know, um, interviews, um, you know, local requests, all of those things um, can be a distraction, you know, to, you know, their preparation. Tickets, you know, um, we need more tickets for the games. So we really talk to our players about, you know, putting that stuff aside because, you know, they will then affect your preparation and your focus on your opponent. So um, a lot of that is that through our mental performance coach, we have a full-time mental performance coach that helps our players with that so they can put that stuff aside uh, and really focus on what's important. I like it. Notre Dame 4-0. They're number seven in the coaches poll. They're number nine in the AP poll. They're coming off that huge win in Chicago over Wisconsin, and they've got a big one coming up on Saturday. Number seven Cincinnati is their matchup. Brian, I appreciate the relationship. Congrats on that big win. Always good to have you on this show. Appreciate that over the years. I appreciate it today. Always good being with you, Jim. Take care. Thank you. Good luck, Brian. Now, if you have ever been behind the wheel of a high-performance sports car, you realize just how much better a car can be. If you've done that, you never, ever want to go back. You never, ever want to settle for a regular car again. I know this. 
and I feel exactly the same way about my X chair. I knew it. From the moment I first sat down in it, I understood why many consider X chair to be the finest office chair in the world. Let's talk about this for a minute. For instance, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? Probably not, but my X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for by X-Chair. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. And once you do feel that customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Trust that. So try my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairrome.com. That's the letter xchairrome.com for 100 bucks off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. xchairrome.com. Major League Baseball right about now has got a problem. The problem being it's late September the best time of year for baseball, and it feels like nobody really even gives a damn because it's getting drowned out by the NFL, even the NBA, the NFL, college football, the NFL, Ryder Cup, the NFL, and the NFL. And the crazy thing is, there's some really good things happening in baseball right now. There's juice, there's heat. Like in the American League, you've got five teams within three and a half games of the wild card. There's a pretty good chance two teams tie for the second wild card spot. There is a pretty good chance that three teams tie for the two wild card spots. So to me, that's the ultimate scenario. The one that I pretty much hit my knees for every single night where you have a four-way tie for the wild card spot, the final wild card spot. Like me, I root for chaos. Chaos rules. So when you have all of this on the line, you have action. You have stakes. You have adrenaline. And then you've got big, bad Giancarlo Stanton doing things like this in Fenway. And the pitch is swung on, hit in the air to right and deep. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone into the bullpens in right center field. He did drive the ball to right field, and he did drive it out. A Stantonian home run. That was Friday. He then chased that on Saturday with this. Bases loaded. The pitch to Stanton. Swung on and drilled deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. Oh, what a shot by Stanton. Grand slam while trailing in the top of the eighth. Massive. But it might not have been his most impressive blast of the weekend. Check out this titanic shot from Sunday night. Stanton is one for three. Judge at second in the top of the eighth. And the pitch. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Another Stantonian home run. Giancarlo. Giancarlo. No si posto palo. All right. So the Yankees were off on Monday. So he had to wait a day before he could resume doing what he was doing, and that's abusing the baseball. 2-2. Scoop to left field. Is it fair? If it's fair, it's gone. It is gone! A three-run home run for Stanton. He's done it again. 
He cannot be stopped. Well, you talk about being on one. Four straight games with a home run in late September. That is clutch. Clutch as hell. In that three-game sweep of the Red Sox, Stanton, 12 at-bats, seven hits, three home runs, 10 RBI. He had more RBI in three games than the Red Sox had runs. He single-handedly won that series and changed the AL wildcard race. And he's not alone in launching missiles. Did you happen to check out Chicago's Luis Robert last night? Here he is in the bottom of the first. That ball's drilled to center field. And gone! It does carry out of here. Luis Robert shocks another baseball, and it's one nothing. Yes, he did. That was nice. Really nice. But you know what was better? What he did to the baseball in the bottom of the eighth. Luis launches the left. Way out of here. Two-run homer. Got Seven to one. I thought that was going to knock over the scoreboard. He murdered that. Absolute blast. It's useful to look at the numbers every so often, but if you're telling me that ball only went 445 feet, I'm going to call you a liar. A liar and a felon. And a felon. That one went at least 600 feet. And the insanity is not just confined to the American League. In the National League, you've got the Giants and Dodgers. I mean, getting after it. Fighting like hell to avoid the wild card. You have Atlanta and Philadelphia facing off with the NL East on the line. And of course, you have the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cards clinched the second wild card spot last night, and they did it by winning their 17th straight. That's right, 17 straight. The longest winning streak in team history. The longest September winning streak since 1935. Could not have come at a better time either. They went from being outsiders in the wild card race to winning the entire thing with games to spare. Like, go back to the night of September 10th. There were two games over 500 on the morning of the 29th. There are 19 games over 500. A team that was on the brink teetering on the brink of elimination to one that is scary as hell in September. Adam Wainwright had this to say after last night's game. You know, we feel dangerous. There's been a couple times where I start the postseason, I go, this team could do it. You know, so we have a team that can do it. We got to go out and execute, play the game we've been playing for the last 17 games. We got to keep doing that. We'll be in good shape. No doubt. I'm telling you, if you go more than a half a month without losing a game, you're hella dangerous. I did that for you, Frisco citizen. You see the way I put respect on you, Frisco? By mixing in your favorite word, hella, Frisco. You're welcome. Anyway, back to St. Louis. (laughs) You can go more than a half a month without losing, and Wainwright's right. I mean, pretty much you can do just about anything. For instance, Cards fans, they have not been this fired up since they found drugs in the bathroom. What do you like about it? <laughs> the bathrooms, the food, the view is great. You get the crowd, you know. You put the bathrooms ahead of the food, really? Well, there are drugs in the bathroom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. This team is so hot that it might be time to drop another sick track like Go Crazy Now or whatever they call this disaster. One, two, three, three. It takes red to make a thing go right. It takes red to make it out of sight. A 
want to say it right here. Red's worn two for 70 years. He played with style and he played with grace. He knew his way around second base. Red's a cardinal through and through, and he played with Stan while managing Lou. Teammates, players, and fans all love him. Cardinals Nation, we just want to hug him. Go crazy now! Go crazy now! Go, go crazy now! Usually, we just play the Go Crazy Now part of that track, but that whole thing is just so remarkable and so crappy and so horrible. But given what the cards are doing right now, I had no choice but to play it in its near entirety. What I'm saying is there is plenty of action on the field. And even in the studio, check out the MLB Tonight crew discussing whether or not Giants pitcher Luke Weaver consistently box. More importantly, check out my guy, man, my man, Pedro Martinez's assessment of that situation. He's never been called for a balk in his career, Luke Weaver. Well, the umpires don't know shit about what they're doing. <laughs> Pedro. 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 I think we're on a delay. Fingers crossed. We'll clean that up for the rear. Um, that was fun. The best part about that is Pedro just smiling after he did it. Like, he didn't panic. He didn't freak out. He didn't duck behind some papers, try to hide his face. My man's just sitting there and owning it. Owning it. You know why? Because he knows he's a freaking boss. And he knows he's bleeping right about Weaver. Pedro Martinez is still incredible. Almost as incredible as when he was dominating and intimidating on the bump at his size. Almost as incredible as when he threw old man Zim to the ground for rolling up on him the way he did. I mean, Pedro Martinez literally is one of my favorite human beings ever, and I bet I haven't talked to him three times. My man is just sitting there like, yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it about the umpires. Yeah, I went with a four-letter bomb on live TV. Yeah, I said it. And? And? Yeah, right. That's what I thought. Straight up, one of the baddest, coolest dudes ever. The umpires don't know shit about what they're doing. (laughs) Like they ask the question, why has this guy never been called for a balk if it's so obvious? Quote, because the umpires don't know leap about what they're doing. The umpires don't know shit about what they're doing. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. We are joined by their quarterback, Sean Clifford. Sean, it is so good to have you on. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, Sean. All right, so let me ask you this. The team is undefeated. You got a couple of wins over teams that were ranked at the time. You are currently number four, as I mentioned, in the country. How would you describe the vibe around the team and the program right now? Yeah, you know, I think that the important thing is going one and know every, every single week. Uh, you know, we've done that so far, and uh, it's just keeping that, that same mentality that we started the season with throughout, it, throughout the whole year, um, building on that and just making sure that you know, everybody's locked in and, uh, 
you know, the main goal is obviously to be one and zero every single week. So the, we got to be one and zero Wednesday to be one and zero Saturday. So uh, you know, this practice got to be the best best we've had this today. All right, that makes sense to me. And to that point, I go back to that win over Villanova. You became the second quarterback in school history to throw for more than 400 yards. It seems to me it might have been pretty easy for there to be some kind of letdown after that huge win over Auburn. So how pleased were you with the way everybody took care of business on Saturday? Yeah, you know, we talk about going from being a good team to a great team, great team to being an elite team. And, um, you know, to take that step to being uh, an elite team, you, you can't have any weak slide. Um, you know, the, the whiteout was obviously a, a great experience, but, you know, every week is, is the most important week of the season. Um, and that's just how college football is. So you got to go one and every week. And, and I was happy with how our team responded and, and had a, had a big win versus Illinois last week. But obviously, uh, you know, Indiana is all that matters this week. Talking to Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford, you know, there have been a lot of great quarterbacks at Penn State, a lot of great quarterbacks. So when you do something that only one other quarterback has done there or when you're in the top five in so many offensive categories, what does that mean to you and how much pride is there for you in that fact? You know, I try not to look at that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there'll be one day that I'll be able to look back at, at everything that, you know, my team and myself accomplished and, and be happy with it probably. But uh, right now, you know, there's only one focus on my mind, and that's, you know, this practice today and then and getting to Saturday. So uh, it's, it's, it's tough to say uh, that I, I really pay attention to that stuff. But, you know, one day it'll be fun to look back with my teammates and, and you know, reminisce on that kind of the records and all that. Hey, Sean, I get that. I understand that you're looking at just what's right in front of you. I know you are where your feet are. I know you just want to win this day. So you probably really are not going to like me asking you about Auburn, but I've got to ask you about Auburn because in that game, you knew the stakes going into that game, and then you're playing in front of nearly 110,000 fans. It can be awfully hard to maintain your calm and your poise and your composure, except you seem really, really calm. Were you that relaxed, or did you do a pretty good job of hiding it that day? Uh, no, I really was that relaxed. Uh, you know, I go into pretty much every single game that relaxed just because, you know, I, I know the team that I've got, um, and, and we're confident, and I'm confident in myself. Um, so, you know, there's really no no reason to, to worry because once you get on that field um, – it's just like you're playing in the, in the backyard with all your friends again. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly just 11 on 11 because the crowd kind of just disappears and you lock into the moment. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I really wasn't that nervous, and I know my team um, had my back, so that just helps the, helps the cause even more. Hey, Sean, I believe you when you say that because I've also heard you say that you feel like right now you're as confident a quarterback as there is, as there is in the nation. Has that always been the case? Like, are you wired for that, or where does that confidence come from specifically? I think it's, you know, confidence, uh, you know, preparation leads to confidence. That's that's the thing that, you know, Coach Franklin has always harped on ever since I've been here. And so the way that I prepare and the way that this team prepares uh, allows us to be confident. So, you know, that's that's why I've always been such a confident quarterback with a, such a confident football team because, you know, we feel that we prepare just as hard as anybody else in the country. So we deserve to have that confidence on game day. Um, and so – and. So that's where I, I gain all my confidence. It's really in the offseason and in the week of preparation. We're talking to Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford. And then on top of that, you've got an offensive coordinator in Mike Yurcich. 
and he arrived in January, and he talked about how far you've come in a short period of time. It seems to me, and again, I'm on the outside looking in. Tell me I'm wrong, but it seems like he pushes you pretty hard. It seems like he coaches you pretty hard and is not going to let anything slip. Not everybody likes that. You seem to really feed off that. Is that the case, and if so, how come? Yes, sir. I mean, I've had a lot of different offense coordinators uh, since I've been here. Uh, they've all had their different flavors, and, you know, it's been a lot of fun to learn from each one of them. Um, but, you know, Coach Ursich does a really good job pushing me to uh, to new limits, um, both both mentally and physically, um, and, and, and really just off the field as well. He does a really good job of just making sure that, you know, everything you're doing, you're doing 100%. And, um, you know, sometimes he's going to get on you a little bit, but I, I really feed off that kind of energy. Uh, really, you know, it, it gets me fired up. And I, I feel like I play better when I'm fired up, too. So, um, you know, Coach Ursich and I have, have, have blended really well so far this season, and I'm excited to keep working with him. Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford joining us for a few more moments. Then you got your head coach, James Franklin. He said back in the spring he thought that you were, quote, on a mission. Does that sound right to you? And if so, what's the mission? Uh, I think, you know, right now the, real, the only mission is to be one to know. Um, you know, obviously we have our goals and aspirations to, to you know, put trophies in the cases. But at the at, at this mo- moment right now, the mission is being one to know. You know, just having a sniper mentality, and and uh, you know, getting the job done. All right. So really quickly, you and safety Jonathan Sutherland were both voted and elected as team captains again. That's the third time both of you have been voted captain. Nobody's done that before in school history. And again, when I talk about a program like Penn State and I start saying things like, this has not been done before, that's significant. What does that honor mean to you, and how do you approach being a leader? Yeah, that's, that's obvious, honestly my, uh, my most proud uh, accomplishment that I've had here, um, you know, just because it, it's, it's one that, you know, my teammates elected me as. And, uh, you know, I, I love my teammates um, so much. You know, it's like family to me. So to, to be able to be elected captain uh, for three years, um, that's something that, you know, both Jonathan Sutherland and myself uh, do not take lightly. Uh, you you got to come into work every single day and, and make sure that you're leading by example. Um, and, and when things need to be said, you need to speak up. So I think that, uh, you know, my, my teammates have, have entrusted a lot in, into my hands, and, uh, you know, I'm just coming into work every day to, to prove to them, um, you know, that I can lead them in the right direction. All right, so my last thought for you, my last question, you and your brother Liam have launched Clifford Brothers Training. I'm really curious about this. Like, what's the regimen? How did this come to be? What do you want people to take away from it? I'm really curious about it. Tell me all about it. Yeah. Um, my brother and I have always thought about doing some sort of uh, training program uh, to, to allow kids to have a, an affordable um, and, and easy to access uh, platform so that way they can they can train at the highest level um, and and with Nil coming out we were my brother and I were able to, to, to launch that uh, it's an app it's called Clifford Bros training and it uh, it allows kids to, to download it have workout plans have nutrition plans um, everything that you know that, that I've learned, um, and then and then go over you know different different quarterback drills, wide receiver drills. Um, we're going to be adding stuff every single month, um, allowing kids to have a program to to really enhance their skills and 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 be able to to learn from from people who have gotten to the Division One level. Um, because I know that when I was a kid, you know, I was always looking for tips and tricks. 
Um, and I would have loved to have an app like this. So, um, you know, just allowing kids to be able to, to, to gain the knowledge that I have um, over my ten- tenure at Penn State and, and in high school um, and, and just giving that kids that opportunity. Well, man, I see you working. That's a plan. Going to work that plan. Sean Clifford is the quarterback of Penn State, having a huge year, a huge career. Penn State 4-0. They're number four in the AP poll. Next up, they're at home against Indiana on Saturday. Sean, great job. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Work out your stress and get back to feeling great at Planet Fitness. Join the judgment-free zone for just $10 a month and get tons of cardio and strength equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Free fitness training and plenty of room to move. You can go at your own pace and get back to a routine that works for you, all for just $10 a month. Plus, check out the crowd meter in our free PF app for the best time to visit. Don't wait. Join any of our 2,000-plus locations today in club, online, or in the app. C-Club for details. It doesn't matter what it's about. You can beef on anything. That's the beauty of the beef segment. Sports, non-sports, anything at all. If there's something aggravating you, if you have a beef in life, hit me with it. Do it on social media at Jim Rome. Email me at at Rome, R-O-M-E at haveatake.com or call with your beef. 1-800-636-8686. It always works because people are always bent. Let's see what we got. Hello, Jimothy. My beef is with grocery store bathrooms. The store is sanitized, well-lit, welcoming presence to the community. Yet when I need to use that bathroom, I have to take three left turns and a right down a random hallway to find a place that looks like a Texaco bathroom that has not been touched in weeks. Nothing more invigorating than shopping for produce right after washing my hands with no soap and no paper towels. Jeff from PDX. You know what? In all the years of doing these beefs, I've never heard that before. And he's not wrong. Beauregard's butler is in. Quote, Jim, my beef is cornhole regulation guy. You know, the guy who jumps in a casual game of cornhole at a tailgate. And when he fails to hit the board 12 times in a row, he starts walking off the distance with giant steps and then complains that the boards aren't slick enough. Next. My beef is with the hyperactive, delinquent-type kids who show up to school every day with a monster energy drink. Nice job, Mom and Dad, but I'm pretty sure the last thing your maniac child needs is 50 grams of sugar and 160 milligrams of caffeine, you morons. Kenny in Albany. Dude, are you a teacher? What's up? I'm not saying you're wrong either. I never had a cup of coffee until I got to college. Jake Rome, my older son, was drinking coffee in high school. Logan definitely will get into the caffeine. Not coffee, but some of the caffeine they pass around the gym. And no, I mean the legal stuff. The legal stuff. Let's see, what else we got here? I got a beef, homie Romy. My beef is with my wife. When we were driving Saturday and putting on the writ came on the radio, after I sang out loud the first few verses, she looked at me and said, you know... It's putting on the Ritz, don't you? I said, hell no. Hell no, it's not. It's putting on the writ. And I haven't even gotten to the diabetes part yet. Get it, Susie. Diabetes. Signed Fitzy and KC. 
25-year listener. Diabetes. Hey, Rome, I have beef. I have a beef. It's with grocery cart in the middle of the aisle lady. You know her. Always wearing her gym gear. And you know she doesn't work out. Talking on her phone 15 feet away from her cart that's sitting right in the middle of the aisle. We all know the rules. The grocery aisle is a two-cart system familiar to the streets that we drive on. It's not that hard. Follow the rules. Aaron in Iowa, a couple of supermarket beefs today. Let's see. Jim, my beef is with all the mutts on the golf course who don't fill their divots. I must have gone through six bottles of sand today filling the other mutts' excavations. Fill the damn divot. It's good for everyone. Thanks, Stephen the 904. Not an original beef, but one that comes with the same intensity every single time, and I see you working. That's why I will allow that. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with anyone and everyone that pronounces milk, milk, asshats. Wow, Bella. Are they buttholes too? War lady clone. You're not the only one with that beef. Ken in SA tweets, hashtag, what's your beef, Rome? I've got a beef with that asshat, Stephen S.A., Who cares about your stupid German sleds, the hilltop estate, the pool with the grotto, the five-star vacations? I bet you've got six Rolexes, too. Who the f*** cares? Screw you, Steve. You know what, Steve, Ken, fellas? I will allow that. Steve, you got to wear that, yo. In fact, by the way, you wear that like a badge of honor. You love that, dude. Or you wouldn't be posting and talking about how rich you are all the time. Dear Jim, my beef is how quickly my space Tom went from college bookie to Count Chocula. People love my Count Chocula. Wore the Penn State whiteout. Mike can stay college. Yeah, things are going really well in Happy Valley now. At... Ridge Michael. Jimmy, I got beef with people who drive big trucks but can't park. Not only are you packing light below the belt, but you're too uncoordinated to park that big compensation for your lack of size in between the lines. Hashtag, what's your beef? That was pretty creative. I may even put that guy as the leader in the clubhouse. If you've got a, quote, big truck, obviously you're compensating for a lack of what you have below the belt, and you're not coordinated enough to park that big rig because you don't have a big rig. I see what you did there. This is the beef segment. We continue. My beef is with kiss-butt coworkers who can't stop laughing at the boss's same lame stories. Stab me in the neck, please. <laughs> Sammy in H-Town. Hey, Rit, did you send that? Jim, 
My beef is the group of smokers. I'm just going to stop right there. I already like it. He's already the leader in the clubhouse, no matter what he says. Jim, my beef is the group of smokers who all of a sudden become best friends and congregate at the front of a business, huddled in, <laughs> huddled in a circle like bums around a burning garbage can, burning. sucking down Sorry. one lung dart after another. Thanks for making me walk through your filthy haze. How about you move around the corner? BZ in Pensacola, definitely the clubhouse leader. My man just had an ace. My man just shot a round of 18 for 18. 18 holes in one. I'm even going to allow bum smack for that one. Burning. That they're huddled around a burning fire can like a bunch of bums. Garbage. This one says, I've got a beef with butter. If you put it in the fridge, it gets too hard. If you leave it on the counter, it melts and makes a mess. Why can't they make butter better? Brent and PC. It's not a bad point, Brent. Brad. Pin A2 tweets, Rome, my beef is with adults celebrating Halloween and hitting me up with costume party invitations a month before this stupid day. If you're an adult and you don't have kids and are dressing up for some Halloween event, you are a loser. I've done that rant a million times. And I did it one day on Halloween, obviously, and went hard. Like I went ham. Like I went in. And the fr- and I had to go to a party. First guy that I ran into was an adult dressed in full costume. That adult was none other than NHLer Chris Pronger. A Pronger in his prime in full uniform. Not hockey uniform, whatever he was wearing. He was neighbor at the time. You know, my man Pronger. My man Pronger, Chris Pronger is 6'5". Chris Pronger, and he was one of those guys where he'd go now. Like, he was a scary dude. Good dude. But a scary dude. And I'm like, I wonder if Pronger heard the bit this morning. Because this ain't going to go well. I don't think he did. It didn't come up. Prongers were fun. Good fam. Rome. My beef is with my moron. Yeah, I know. Go ahead, Rome. Pick up that name you just dropped. Nah, but it was a pertinent story. Romy, my beef is with my moron clients. You think that's funny? Canada, for some reason, is listening today, too. The, their, Southern California became a hockey hotbed. You want to know what's even funnier than me living in the same neighborhood with Chris Pronger? My kids playing hockey for a time with Scott Niedermeyer and Chris Pronger's kids. How's that? That didn't last very long. Imagine Jake Rome skating around with Scott Niedermeyer's kids. Romy. Niedermeyer's a great dude, too. Pretty damn good player, too, man. Romy. My beef is with my moron clients who try to schedule meetings on Wednesday afternoons. Don't And a fat ass. Don't you Nimrods know I cannot be interrupted during the beef segment. I will respond to your inquiries at 3.01 p.m. Eastern. Nick in New York. I feel you, Nick. This is like an incredible segment. John in Buffalo tweets, 
My beef is with the people who just leave the bathroom and don't wash their hands. Those big signs in front of the stalls, as a reminder, are there for morons like you. I'm not even a germaphobe, and I think that's disgusting. We're still in a pandemic, idiots. And a fat ass. N. Combs G. tweets, My beef is with Coupon Lady. I get to the register with my 20 items, and Coupon Lady has a trapper keeper with 20 pages of organized coupons holding up the line and arguing with the checkout girl because she did not get the two-for-one on her dryer sheets. Times are tough, but I'm not going to argue with that guy. That's frustrating. Especially when they break out the trapper keeper with their organized coops. What's that, Rit? <laughs> At Romy, you rock, tweets. What's my beef? My beef is Kathleen telling everybody to kiss her ass. The problem, Jim, is the collective lips of every clone in the jungle would not be able to fulfill that request. That's a whole lot of kissing. Wow. With that in mind, why don't we just keep this segment flowing and why don't we go to the phones? And let's not just go to the phones. Why don't we just go to the aforementioned Kathleen in Omaha. Hello, Kathleen. I never went to prom and I did not know about Avatar Den until I was 28 three years ago, and I see Brady for who he truly is, a snake oil sales con man masquerading as a football player. He needs to be face-planted. Every time he takes the field, it would improve his looks. No, it won't. You cannot improve a jelly slug lizard stew who is rotten to the core. Welcome back, Kathleen. But what about the whole thing about the jungle collectively Still wouldn't have enough lips to kiss your posterior. Anyway, pick up on that next time. She's back. Not enough to get her golden ticket back. But she's back. She's angry. She ain't having it. Good to hear from you, Kathleen. Well done. Let's take some more phone calls. Beef segment type phone calls. Let's go to Waterloo. Dickie. Dickie, what's your beef? Jump man. I got a beef with all of the tobacco chewers who spit their wad dip in the urinal. Like it's some kind of Wild West saloon. Never mind the fact that your disgusting habit is going to have your half-eaten face plastered all over a public service announcement about what not to do. Your lazy ass decides to make the plumber's life miserable as well by making the urinal your garbage can. As a plumber, if I see any of you mouth breathers doing this in front of me, I'm going to make you pull that comfort bud out of that lemonade stand and make you eat it like a dog who won't take his heartworm pill. Now I'm done. That a boy, Dickie. My man, that's a beef. That's a occupational beef. That was so good. Rack him. We normally do not rack beefs. I love that. That was really, really good. Let's go to the ABQ. Albuquerque is an original four jungle affiliate. That town means the world to me. I love Albuquerque. Let's go to Dustin in the ABQ. Dustin, what is your beef? Uh, my beef is the gas station clerk that likes to call you boss like about 100 times. 
You come up to the counter, you got your red boy, he says, two for three, boss. Hey, I like your hat, boss. Oh, you're a Bears fan, boss. Do you have your rewards tag, boss? You call me boss again, I'm going to have you picking up dog crap and staying in my deck. I'm out. Oh, man, Dustin. I don't know, dude. Is it really that bad, Chief? Come on, home slice. I'm all right with it. I, I mean, I, okay. It's your beef. It's cool. Like I said, I'm all about the ABQ. Just whatever you do, man, do not call Dustin boss again, or he'll have you picking up his dog crap and cleaning up his deck. Let's go to Frisco. <laughs> Johnny in Frisco. Johnny, what is oh, your beef? Doing? What's up, dude? Hey, dude, my beef is with the delusions of grandeur, bro. To every person in L.A., to every single odds maker this year who appointed L.A. as the World Series champs, they're going to get bounced out in the first round of the playoffs against St. Louis, and there'll be a footnote to the season, bro. I feel you, dude. I don't agree with you, but I feel you. You got every right to say that. I, mean, I, got, I get a kick out of it. Frisco, man, their disdain for all things SoCal is just its awesome to me. I used to want to push back. I used to want to fight back. At first, I was just bewildered by it. And then I got angry about it. And then I got defensive about it. And now it just makes me laugh. I mean, did did that dude not sound exactly like somebody from the city by the bay? But he's not wrong in what he says. I mean, he is wrong in what he says. But he might not be wrong in what he says. This is what I mean when I say Frisco and L.A., are going all out to avoid that wild card, man. You Can you imagine winning 100-plus games, busting your ass to do it, and it's still not being enough to win that division, and your reward for that season is having to deal with the St. Louis Cardinals, for instance? Yeah, you don't want that. 1-800-636-8686. You know I'm going to this guy. One, it's Philly. Two, it's John in Philly. John, what's your beef? How are you, Jimmy? Good, dude. How you doing? Dude, I'd be much better going to those Airbnbs. You been to any? I certainly have. So I got to tell you, when you get there and they plate it out real nice and clean, right? You get in there. It's beautiful. I walk in. My wife's looking around. 32nd wedding anniversary, Jim. The bed's not made. We carefully draw back the sheets and find a pair of underwear. Are you <laughs> kidding me? That's my beef. I'm out. My man, John in Philly. Love you, bro. That is terrible. We go in there, 32nd wedding anniversary. The place is not clean. I draw back the sheets, and there's a pair of underwear. Yeah, I hit one in Wisco. It was not what I thought, man. We go down to the basement, man. They're just like bats. Maybe not bats, but like there were things flying around. I've had some good experiences and I've had some bad experiences. Are we talking about a, a VRBO or a bed uh, B&B? You said B&B, right? Hmm. Anyway, I feel you. That's not a good experience. I'll tell you what it is, man. This beef segment, this this is an all-timer. And Alvin, err, unnamed member of the XR4TI. Don't even jack with it, man. I, I, don't, I don't care about the clock. I've got a hot the hand. Clock. I'm on a heater. I'm going to play this thing. I'm going to play it until it's no longer hot. Let's go this time to Tennessee. Anthony. I mean, this is an all-time beef segment. Anthony, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with people that call you or they call me and they say, how are we doing? I don't know how you're doing. Ask me how I'm doing. That's what I want to know. Don't ask me how we're doing. I can't stand that. 
I feel you. Like there's only, there's only one of us, right? Like why are you asking me how, how we're doing? Are you asking yourself how you're doing too? Is that what you mean? Like, hey, Jim, how we doing? Well, I, you tell me how you're doing. I can't answer for you. I'm not that fired up by that, but I'm just playing along with Anthony. All right. That, that's kind of like, I'll tell you what I, what's an example of that is when I interview somebody and at the end of the interview, I thank them and they say, thanks guys. I don't know. Maybe they do a lot of morning shows, but th- there aren't guys. There's guy. There's me radio guy. Thanks guys. You wait, watch that. Wait for that. That happens like once a week, every other week. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's not insulting, but I always get a kick out of that. Thanks guys. Well, who who are you thanking? Me and Alvin? Me and Chocula? Me and the Big Head? Let's keep this thing moving. I, I've never seen so many beefs. This is incredible. Either y'all are having a bad day, a bad week, a bad life. But the, as soon as somebody hangs up, that phone line fills up with somebody else. Let's go to Georgia. And the best thing is, I love it. I mean, like every state in the country and Canada is coming in. Let's go to Georgia. Donald... Donald, what's your beef? Hey, um, my beef is this CVS. My streaming service just cut me off at the beginning of the beef section. Now I'm watching Major League Soccer. And yesterday they didn't play my boy at all. What's up with CVS? My man, I feel you. I feel you, Donald. Well, I got good news for you. Tomorrow, we're dark the entire day. At least you got two hours of me today. So if you got a beef today, wait till you get tomorrow. Tomorrow we are dark on TV. There is no TV simulcast on CBS Sports Network. Yeah, but they're going to pay it forward. They'll pay it back. I get an appearance on the NFL Today on CBS on Sunday. Probably should end this thing, but, but, but maybe one more? Now let's end this thing. Let's walk it off on that. Hey, bravo. Y'all are bent. Y'all have beef. That was a legendary, legendary beef segment. So just know that, sorry if I didn't get to you, and I know I didn't because literally, and when I say literally, I mean every single phone line is still lit. Every one. All 12. I got to get out, though. Good night.